Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. Below Bull Shoals on the White River, anytime you see the seagulls hovering over the water, then you better tie on a white jig uh, because those fish, I mean, they just become gluttons. They'll eat anything that is white, and especially the jigs because they'll get down in the water column quicker, and uh, you just sit there and swim it or jig it or whatever, man, just hang on. Oh, it's fun. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast, presented by Inland. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kyle V. What's up, everybody? Just wanted to take a minute to let y'all know a few things before we get to the episode. If y'all are enjoying the first couple of episodes and are excited about hearing our new episodes released each week, make sure you're subscribed and following the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, if you want to support the show, there's two things you can do that would really help us out. One, of course, leaving the podcast a nice review goes a long way and helps people find us. And if you leave us a five-star review, screenshot it and send it to us via email, we'll send you a free Ozark podcast sticker in the mail just to say thanks. The second thing you can do to support the show is to go check out our Patreon website. The link is in the show notes and we've got lots of cool stuff for y'all over there. If you sign up for the White River Club, you'll be able to watch the raw and uncut full-length video episodes with each of our guests. You'll get exclusive discounts on all of our merch and we'll send you a new and unique Ozark-inspired sticker every single month. On top of that, we'll even give you a shout-out on our next episode. So there's lots of stuff there for y'all to interact with us and for us to interact with you. And of course, always feel free to reach out. Now, let's get to the episode. All right, we're back. You've got Kyle and Adam on the mic tonight as usual, and we are joined by our special guest of the evening, Mr. J.D. Dudley of D2Jigs. J.D., welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. How's it going? It's good, man. Good. Uh, just pulled off the river. Um, took a guy trout fishing below Beaver Dam. We're January, what's today, January 17th? January the 17th. Yeah, took a guy trout fishing today and got out there and hammered him. Nice. Hammered him with you catch a, You know how many you caught? Uh, no. I mean, it was. Lost count. Yeah, it was a, it was a good day. Good. Uh, it was a little bit slow, but still still caught some. Um, stuck, a, stuck a big one. That's what I was telling Trace when I first walked in here. Stuck a big one today, but it got got the better of me. Yeah. So sometimes it happens. It does. It happens. You can't catch them all. Right. Um. So tonight we're actually in in Tawny Town, Arkansas. Normally we typically go to our guests' home just to make it easy on them, so they don't have to come to us. But I want to say a special thanks to Adam over here. We're in Adam's brand new house you, mm-hmm. you've kind of had a crazy week over the last yeah. week just yeah, it's been busy getting moved in here we're still not even moved in i mean we don't even have a table in here yeah i'm just sit around on the couch I like but it. i like it i like it too it's a big comfy couch mm-hmm. it's, it's exactly what you want and i'm actually neighbors to dudley that's right so you guys are pretty close by anyway yes. we are what is a crow flies maybe a mile maybe a mile oh, that's nice neighbor yeah neighbor hey neighbor neighbor <laughs> 
So last time we talked um, was about six or seven months ago. <laughs> Dudley, you and I, we don't really know each other that well. We've right. only met, it was about six or seven months ago. Right. I know you and Adam have known each other much longer. Mm-hmm. How do you guys know each other? I was Teresa's coach, his basketball coach, uh, when he was in high school. Okay. And even after that, I mean, we still got together. We fished some and just we've we've kept in touch since then, uh, which is, you know, something that I love to do as a coach, just build those relationships and and uh, keep them going, you know, once, they're, once the players are gone. Yeah. And that's what we've gotten to do. So we fished together a couple of times. And yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's right about this time of year, uh-huh. that tournament, right? Yeah. Yeah. Has it happened already? No. We're, in fact, Drew and I are fishing it this coming Friday really? or Saturday. Yeah. See, I haven't got the invite since <laughs> since you took me back yeah, in high school. I, and I, I needed caught... you to perform that day. Yeah, what happened? I did perform. <laughs> I caught the biggest fish of the boat. And it didn't count because it was just under. Yeah. The... It, was it, a... it was a beautiful brown. Dang. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good brown. We thought we we thought he'd stuck a good and it was a good one, mm-hmm, but yeah. it was a quarter of an inch too short to keep. Oh. And uh trophy size. It was it's yeah. not like it was like, you know, really small. Yeah. So no, it, it was a good one. It, it was, was a trophy tournament. So you have to hit a minimum length. Yeah, Browns. Browns in the in the tournaments on Tanny Como had to be twenty inches long and it okay. was nineteen and three quarters. Gotcha. And we were trying to just squeeze that tail. We could <laughs> not get it tail. to touch. Uh-uh. Yeah. That was, that was a really cool story though. Mm-hmm. Uh that's when you and I first kind of hit it off and bonded. That was probably mm-hmm. junior year or senior year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Had a basketball game in Berryville Friday night. Right. Drove up to Tanny Como uh-huh. and fished Saturday morning. Right. Since then, we've just kept up. Yeah. You actually married married me and Anna. I did not marry you and Anna. <laughs> I performed the, the ceremony. That What's would be illegal in Arkansas. Thanks for the clarity. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I officiated your wedding. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you guys didn't get married. <laughs> That'd be, be awkward. Yeah. Um, so anyways, all that to say, um, so this is kind of informal. Obviously, you guys know each other well, um, right. but I get to ask you a bunch of questions because I don't know you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, last time we talked was about six or seven months ago, and we, we did a whole YouTube video on you, just kind of hearing the story of your, your business, your company, um, D2 Jigs. Right. And we went into a lot of depth, and um, it's an awesome story. Um, you know, I, I just really cool how it, how it started with your dad and how that's kind of passed mm-hmm. on to you and, and all that. And so we'll get into that a little bit. Sure. Um, but if you want to hear that full story, we probably won't tell the whole thing on this podcast, but if you want to hear it, go check out our YouTube. Um, it's up and you can get all the detail you want there. Um, but with that being said, since six or seven months ago, what, what have you been up to? What have you been doing? Man, uh, business has picked up in a big way and, I, honestly, I, I don't have an explanation for it other than the, the jigs work. Right. Uh, <clears throat> so tying a bunch of jigs, spent spent the you know the majority of the summer uh, just in that chair tying. In your garage, right? Yeah, in my garage. And, uh, you know, would, would have to wait sometimes because it's so hot, wait until 9 o'clock at night to go out there so I don't burn up during the day. And yeah. then I'd tie throughout the night and then sleep in the morning and then, you know, go fishing during the day and then come back and do it again. But... Uh, beginning of summer last year, I, I had, I had already had several folks that were asking me to take them trout fishing and show them how to use the jigs and, and, uh, and was taking folks over the White River below Bull Shoals and up below Beaver and, and I just thought, you know what, if I'm doing this, I might as well try to, you know, see if I can make some money doing it. So, so I, pu- I made a post on Facebook 
and that's that's part of what's interesting with this whole jig business is I, I haven't done any advertising at all other than just through Facebook. Just social media. Yeah, just social media. Okay. And uh, I posted on Facebook, anyone interested in, in guided jig lessons, uh, let me know. And uh, we can discuss the rate, whatever, and, and uh, thinking I'd get three, maybe four mm-hmm. trips out of the summer. And, right, yeah. And uh, get a chance to get some jigs in people's hands and stuff. And by the end of the summer, the, the last week of the summer before I went back to school, uh, I had four trips that week. Wow. And I think I ended up, <clears throat> I think I ended up with, it was like 19 or 20 guided trips over the summer. Dang. <clears throat> and that was after post, when did you post it? You said it was in the beginning of June. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So half, half, half the summer, yeah. half the summer w- was over there doing guided jig lessons. Yeah. And it's, it's different than a, than a guide trip because I'm not providing meals and, you know, it's not a full day deal unless they, they wanted, you know, eight hours or so, but we'd go for four or five hours at a time. Okay. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. You said guided fishing lessons yeah. other than not a guided fishing trip, right. which I guess it is, but maybe explain the difference about that. Yeah, the, the jig lessons, when, when you take somebody guide, or on a guide trip, the majority of folks that guide, they take people to go catch fish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people that, the, the clients that they have, they want, ca- they want to catch fish so they can have a meal right. uh, for that evening, whatever it is. And that's not always the case. But with me, I tell folks up front, you may not catch a fish. The 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 water's high, you may not catch a fish, but you're going to learn how to use these jigs in the conditions. Gotcha. And you're going to be able to come back and do it on your own. Right. And basically trying to produce jig fishermen is what I'm doing. Okay. And th- there are other jig companies that are out there, and they can go get the other, other companies' jigs. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that because I can't keep up with the demand. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to know how to jig fish. And there wasn't a trip last summer that I took that wasn't successful. We caught fish on every trip. Wow. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah, uh, that's cool. The, and it, it had everything to do with with folks who are eager to learn. Um, in fact, real quick, I, I, I took a father and a son. And the, the dad had, he had jig fished before. And okay. he had jig fished with some other folks. And not not the, the way that we do it is the best way, but it is a good way to jig fish. And his son had never jig fished before. <clears throat> and halfway through the day, his son had caught 25 fish and the dad had caught four. Ooh. And finally his dad, he turns to me, he said, J.D., what are you doing? <laughs> what's what is yeah. what is Ashley? I All mean, of a sudden, he's mad at you. Yeah, yeah. What is uh, what what's my son doing that that uh, that I'm not doing? Right. And so I just started watching him, and I saw it on his first cast. I mean, he cast it out there, and I could see that his line was too tight. He wouldn't let the jig get deep. And I said, Ashley, you're. I said, you got to let your jig get down. Yeah. I said, you got to see this bow down in down in the water. Let that jig free fall, and he did it in the first cast. Boom, catch the fish. Nice. Well, ha- him having. Trout fish before they, they got into a competition. I've got a video on my Facebook page. Just one of the funniest moments of the summer. They got into a competition, and I think uh, I think his son beat him thirty six to thirty four on the day. Oh man! Uh, but I say all that to say that if if folks come in with a preconceived idea and don't really want to learn, then they're going to have a tough time getting better at it. Right. But if they come in with an open mind, then I've just got a blank slate to be able to teach and, and to teach it the right way. And, uh, man, it's fun. It's yeah. fun watching them. And we stuck some really good fish last summer too. Yeah. Really good fish. I think the biggest one out of our boat was 32 inches. It was a 32 inch Brown. Okay. Um, Dang. and, uh, had That's several clients massive. that, yeah, yeah, 
had several clients that caught uh, caught 25, 26-inch browns, you know, 23, 24-inch rainbows. Had one guy stick a sturgeon, uh, which I won't go into too much detail with. <laughs> oh, but, my God. Uh, yeah, I know it sounds crazy. but that, That's a pretty wild story. It's a crazy story. It's like but, a prehistoric <clears throat> fish, it is, right? And, and very uncommon. I, I, called the, I called the game and fish, and I said, did I just see what I thought I saw? Yeah. <laughs> and I explained it to her, and... And uh, she said, you know, it really sounds like a sturgeon. She said it's not impossible. Yeah. Because they can swim up uh, from the from the uh, the Mississippi River. Okay. But uh, they, you know, it's right below the dam. They can't get any further. Yeah. That's crazy. I remember seeing that post. I guess mm-hmm. it was on behalf of you. Mm-hmm. It's like it it just blew up yeah, on Facebook. Yeah. For for our area, I guess. Right. And I don't know. The post said something like, "You guys won't believe what JD Dudley just saw or yeah. caught." Yeah. On the river, right, and everyone just going crazy yeah, in the comments. Sharks, right, sturgeon, wow. uh, spoonbill, catfish, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I actually got video of it. I got a video of it under the water. Dang. And, and the gaming gaming fish couldn't confirm it, and 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 rightfully yeah. so because the the image on the video was turned away from from the camera, uh, but you can tell by the fins and and the yeah. uh, the, the the spines on the back of this thing. Right. What it was. They got it's like white spine. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Have you seen yeah. that picture? No. Well, maybe I can't remember if you showed it to me a while back <coughs> when we got together, but I I know what a sturgeon looks like roughly. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to pick yeah. it up. But. And it's got the upside down tail fin, mm-hmm. right? Looks like a check mark. Right. And that was the biggest thing to me. Right. That it was like, that's a sturgeon. And yeah. then kind of the white tips. Yeah. Gotcha. The thing but, was probably seven feet long. I saw it. I saw it four. Yeah, I saw it four times when I was over there this past summer, and there were twi- there two times it, it swam right under the boat. Wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. so I got a really good look at it. That's cool. And but anyway, one of my clients, I, I, I'm pretty sure that he hooked Edamine too, of course. But yeah. I'm pretty sure he hooked it and he had it on for about two minutes. And I, the whole time, I'm, I'm I've got my GoPro on and yeah, it's like Jeb, what do you have? Because this thing just <laughs> what are we gonna do? Steady drag is just is going, and I'm oh, thinking, man. my gosh. But anyway, it came undone, and that's crazy. Yeah, it makes for a good story. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, so you're out there, you're fishing, you're doing you're doing a lot more guiding mm-hmm. from what it sounds like. Right. Um, you've also been you mentioned you've been tying a bunch of jigs mm-hmm. in your garage, yeah. Um, and you're just a one man show right now. For right? now, yeah. For now, yeah. What's going on with D two jigs? What's been happening over the last couple months? Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's still pretty much the same. Okay. It's uh, it's been really steady. Uh, I have I, I I won't go into detail yet. We've got an announcement coming soon. Okay. Uh, I have partnered with a company that uh, we we signed the contract about four months ago. Very and uh, it is exciting because yeah, we've gone awesome. back and forth for for about a year, a little over a year, uh, probably a year and a half uh, on the details. And I told this guy, I said, the number one thing about this is that you have to match the quality. Because mm. if we can't match the quality, we're not going to do it. Yeah. That's what's separating my jig right now from from other jigs is, you know, I got a I got an email or, or a, a text from a guy a couple of weeks ago that said he caught 46, uh, 46 fish on one jig. Dang. And the paint was busted off. Uh, but the feathers are all intact. Same jig, just yeah, one same day. Same jig, one day. All day. Yep. Wow. Um, so anyway, uh, that was the big thing is is making sure that we get the quality done. And, and sure enough, they they uh, they sent me the final samples. We had gone back and forth for about eight months. Right. And uh, he sent me a sample, and I took it and fished it. And I caught on one jig. Uh, I broke it off. It was my fault. I, I didn't retie when I should have. Okay. Uh, but I had caught 52 fish on that jig. 
Yeah, and the feathers were still good. Paint was still good, everything. So so we we finally got it figured out. And uh, so there's an announcement coming, hopefully within a couple of months, that uh, that we're teaming up. That's exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. Congrats yeah. on that. Thank you. That's huge. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I would have never guessed it. Yeah. Never guessed it. It's mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah. The, ho- the whole story of D2 Jigs is super cool, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Kyle said, you can go back and listen to it all just because it's <coughs> such a cool story with so many details yeah. that it's hard to and capture it all in one yeah. in one setting. And thinking about now like obviously you you're feeling it you're you've been mm-hmm. there the, the whole time but even think, hearing the story and as a third party hearing it how it's progressed from where it started to now like yeah. that's got to be just a cool feeling. And honestly uh it is a in my mind I have no question about that. It, for me it's something that God orchestrated. Yeah. He did. I mean from from the way that it started, I, w- I was in a spot. I won't go through the whole thing, but I was in a spot where, you know, I didn't really know what I was going to do as far as work goes uh, because at the time I didn't have a job. I was between jobs. I knew I was going to have one okay. but was was not working, and I thought, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So I just sat down and started tying. Yeah. And uh, put, together the, put together the website. Uh, a guy named Matt Potts put the website together for me, and, you know, it sat dormant for a couple of months, and then, boom, something happened, and, you know, people started ordering and I'm not quite, I'm not quite in the place where I can uh, leave my job that I'm doing right now because I, honestly, I love it, teaching and coaching, but, yeah. but, uh, but within two, three, four years, somewhere around there, it should be in a spot where I could, I could step away from it if I, if I wanted to. Right. Like I said, I don't know that I will, but, uh, but it is, it's doing really well. Yeah. Just surprises the heck out of me. Yeah. And it's cool too, because, you know, Drew, my son, uh, he's in college now. He's a freshman. Jill's going to be going to college, and and God's just using it for for us as a way to provide for me and my family. And I get to uh, I get to take people and show them how to fish. Yeah, I mean that's well, icing on the cake. So it's just cool. that, that to me that's the way that God works. It's just it's been amazing. It has. Yeah. So really thankful for it. Yeah, that's cool. And it's even cooler too the way you kind of you make the distinction of. You're not just taking people out to guide to just to catch fish. Right. You want to teach them how they can do it themselves yeah. and, and how they can, you know, become proficient if they want to do jig fishing, if yeah. they want to get into it. I think yeah. that's just a cool, it's a cool like business model because those people go out, they talk to people, they're like, hey, mm-hmm. I've started catching more fish because I'm jig fishing. Here's mm-hmm. the guy who taught me. He's got a business. It's, right. just, it's a really cool thing yeah. that you got going on. Yeah. And there's, there have been some great relationships that have come from it. Uh, out of the, out of the 20 or so trips last year, I've, I've to my knowledge, I've kept in touch with every one of them. I mean, they'll 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 text me or they'll call me and say, "Hey, went out and and uh, and jig fish and caught these," and they'll send me the pictures. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, as somebody who taught them how to fish, it's just like coaching. Yeah. When you see somebody like like Therese who right. who progressively gets better, was good at the beginning, but by the by the time he gets done, he's even better. You know, you see that in jig fishing or in fishing period. It's it is it's an amazing feeling yeah. to get to experience that. And yeah. jig fishing is really unique because it's. Like once you learn, mm-hmm. it's addicting, and you want to show other people how to do yeah. it. Yeah. It's like when you showed me how to do it. It took me a couple times really to get sure. get the technique down. You know, the best way to actually catch fish. The biggest thing for me was using the really light line because mm-hmm. uh, I I wasn't much of a trout fisherman before, so right. that took some adjusting and learning curve. Yeah. Um, but once I figured it out, gosh, it was so cool oh, to take yeah. people down there. Yeah, just even below beaver go catch a hundred fish in a day. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's just really cool. And then tell them, you know, JD Dudley, tell me how to do this. Mm -hmm. You need to go buy his jigs. They're 
And, you know, whenever you first started, I took your jigs. I, I found some other jigs, you know, at the store, wherever right. else. And me as a beginning jig fisherman, I could actually tell a huge difference. Right, right. And that was just super cool. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is the difference? Uh, in, in the jigs that I'm making? Yeah. The, the reality is, is that the mold that we have, I think I said this in the, uh, when, when we, when we met a few months ago, right, right. that the, from the mold, it was a defective mold. And so the heads on, on my jigs come from the original mold and that mold has, there's, there've been attempts to duplicate this mold, mm-hmm. but it hadn't been duplicated. And so that's what makes this one unique. It's got a lopsided head. Yeah. One one side's kind of tapered and the other one's pretty rounded. So when the jig falls, it spirals down in the water and it creates a wounded creature. Yeah. Now there are other jigs that do that, but they don't have the same balance that we do. And so ours will ours turn apparently. I mean, I don't know if it's scientific or what, yeah. but <laughs> but apparently they turn at the right rate uh, because these fish they hit them on the fall. Uh, in addition to that, the I, I put more feathers on mine. Okay. Uh, and it, it causes the jig to fall a little bit slower. Yeah. And when you when you work it, those feathers really flare. And uh, even the guy that I was fishing with today, um, you know, trying to trying to show him how to use the jigs. One thing that I'm learning, I mentioned this a second ago. It's kind of it's kind of hard to teach it. Teach an old dog new tricks. Right. And he's used to throwing bigger line, four, six, and eight pound line. And there's a huge difference between two pound and four pound, and a difference between mm-hmm. four pound and six pound. In the way that that jig falls, the heavier the line, the 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 more resistance there's going to be on that jig, that jig falling freely. Okay. Where that two pound line, I mean, there's no resistance at all, so it can do what it's made to do. Gotcha. And uh, man, it makes a big difference. It does. Uh, just watching watching today. I mean, I caught I, I caught this guy probably ten to one, and uh, and it, and it was I, I I think it was the line difference. I know it was. It was the line difference. Yeah. Is what it was. Yeah. So. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I do want to get into more of like tactics and, and, you know, how to fish jigs and get mm-hmm. into some of that a little bit, um, later on. But one thing before we move on, cause you, you've got some, you've got some world records actually, which is super interesting. There's, I don't know anyone else in my life who has world records, let alone five. Right. You've got five or so. I do. Um, so I think, I think <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. Let's just go ahead and get into that. No big um, deal. You've got five. Was it you had five and then two of them have gotten taken or you had seven and now you have five? Are they all still standing? So I had, let me think. Uh, I currently hold five. Okay. I had, I had one more and it's been broken. Okay. Gotcha. So you had six. I had six and one got broken. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, There are... There are five that I currently have. Now, I, I do have to say this. Yes, it's really cool to be able to say that I hold five world records. It's super cool. It is cool. <laughs> but what I, what people need to understand is is it's it's not that big of a deal. Okay. And here's what I mean. Feels like a big deal. It, it, it's <laughs> like I said, it's cool deal. to be able to say I'm yeah. a pretty big deal. I don't know yeah. if y'all know this. Uh, it's a pretty big deal when you lose track of how many world records you have. <laughs> <laughs> no, what it is is they're very specific uh, world records. Okay. So they're line class catch and release world record world records uh, based off the kind of fish they are. Okay. Okay. So so I currently hold the two pound line catch and release uh, white bass world record. Okay. Which 
I, th- it, it baffles me that this one hasn't been broken yet. Okay. And where you know, I still want to go break it because from you, what, and you can, yeah, from what you've said and <laughs> yeah. from what you've mentioned, it seems like we can't just, no one ever, I guess, goes that, to fish yeah, with two pounds. Yeah. Line. I don't, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, I know that Trees. I'm going to break it one day. You will. I, I have no doubt. Can't that wait because he, he white bass. He catches white bass on on Grand Lake that are, you know, that are big white bass. Yeah. And all he's got to do is take two pound line over there and catch one and get the measurements, the pictures, get it verified and release the fish, and he'll hold the world record. Yeah. Okay. He can Come do on. That. Got it. Uh, Challenge accepted. Yeah. Here yeah. We I, go. But Coming I'm for the time. But I'm going to go with you. <laughs> yeah. And so that I can beat you. Be there. That would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Hunting for a world record, yeah. fishing for with, a world yeah, record with the former world record holder. Uh-huh. That'd be cool. <laughs> and where was that white bass one? Uh, that was, was it? it was on the White River. Okay, uh, on the on the headwater. I say the headwaters, not gotcha. really, but it was out at Goshen at Twin Bridges. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. That was oh gosh, that was mid two thousands. So really, yeah, it's been it's been that long. It has been that long. Now, what's cool about that one is my dad. He holds the four pound line. Uh, four-pound line catch-and-release world record for white bass. Oh, okay. And he's tied with my nephew. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys, It's just in the blood. You guys it is. But, but again, records. I mean, you understand, yeah. you know, that that there are bigger fish than what than what we're actually, gotcha. what we're showing. Just, and you, you know how to do it at this point. Like, you yeah. know how who to call, how to yeah. do the whole process yeah. and go through all that. Yeah. So okay. Now, the other four are sockeye salmon world records. Okay. And obviously not in Arkansas. No, not in Arkansas. There's it's the two pound, four pound, six pound, and I'm almost ashamed to say ashamed to say it, the thirty pound okay. line class world records. Yeah. Which is different because it's different than what you normally do. It is. Yeah. Now the reason I'm ashamed is because on that thirty pounder, I'm throwing a seven foot one mag heavy uh, whooping stick for bass okay. and I'm drifting a fly. We were up in Alaska and I'm drifting a fly and I see this fish hit it and I set the hook on it, 30 pound line. I set the hook and this fish shoots out of the water and nose dives <laughs> into the mud behind me. Got the very, got the measurements. And everything. I did. Yeah. And, but the, the reason I went after that one was when dad and I went to, uh, when dad and I went to Alaska, uh, I looked and saw what records were available. Okay. And I went with the intention, of course, to hang out with my dad and experience all right. of this incredible experience, but uh, but wanted to break those records as well. Yeah. So uh, the six pound the six pound line world record was uh, is one that I, I feel like will get beat. Uh, the thirty pound obviously can get beat because uh, you know it's just a matter of catching that bigger fish. The right. four pound record may stand for a while. Okay. Uh, and then the two pound record. Uh, I'm not going to say that it won't be broke, won't be broken, but I think it'd be hard to break it. Yeah. And the only reason I say that is because my dad, uh, my dad, he's, he's the best fisherman I know. And, you know, there's not a national poll for fishermen or anything like that, right. but power rankings. Yeah. The power rankings. The but if there were, my dad would be pretty close to the top. He's okay. really good at what he does. Yeah. And, uh, and dad went after it for four days and he couldn't catch it. Um, and I happened into one. I fought, I fought the, uh, it was a 20, what was it? A 24 inch, uh, salmon, uh, sockeye salmon, which we've caught them bigger than that on yeah. two pound line, but not salmon. Yeah. I mean, these things, the way they fight is it's unlike any fish I've ever caught. It's nothing for them to, to strip off 50 yards of drag or 50 yards of line mm-hmm. and go dancing in the middle of the river and then strip off another 50 and go, 
doing cartwheels and things. It took me it took me forty five minutes to land this fish. Holy cow! Yeah, and when I got it in, uh, I knew that that this one would stand for a while. Yeah, and we did. We got it verified and and uh, and taken care of, and sure enough, that was. That was a that was that was the first of my world records up in Alaska. And this is from the bank or from a boat? Uh, no, we were we were waiting. Okay, yeah. oh, I mean, we were from the bank. Yeah, that's even cooler. In mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, and a shoal. Awesome. I mean, this thing had total control. Yeah, they just never quit. But the uh, the four pound record is the one that that definitely stands out to me the most, and the reason is because I caught it away from a grizzly. I know it okay. sounds crazy. Yeah, we're gonna have to hear that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. So you're Just saying when you thought he couldn't get cooler, <laughs> yeah, he's stealing fish from grizzly bears. Mm-hmm. Basically, they make commercials and movies about this. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so what was that like? Tell me, man. Uh, it's a it's a it's a really cool story. Uh, so we were. Have you ever seen the uh, oh the the videos of the bears catching the salmon out of the, out of the waterfalls yeah, or, yeah. or in national geographic or whatever. Right. That's where we were. Okay. We were on the Brooks river. Uh, it's in the Katmai national forest in Alaska and the, that falls those, those, uh, that, uh, that waterfall is probably a mile up from where we were fishing. Okay. And there were, there were five or no, there were four of us. It was myself, my dad, uh, a guy from Kansas, and then Phil Lilly, who is a friend of ours. He he owns Lilly's Landing Resort up in Branson on Taney Como. Mm-hmm, okay. Uh, a good friend of ours, and uh, Phil had invited us up there. So we fly over. Uh, we were staying on Knack Lake at a fish camp. It's called Knack Fish Camp. And uh, and we flew from Knack Fish Camp over the Brooks River. Uh, I was scared to death going over there because I knew of all the bears that were going to be there. Yeah, you know they're going to be waiting for you. They are. They're there. And we had seen, we had been there for six or seven days at Knack up and down the, the river, but not to Brooks. And I'd seen two bears the whole time, so it wasn't really that big of a deal, but I heard that we were going to see bears when we got over there. Okay. And so I was nervous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they always said, you know, when, when you're faced with a bear, you're with a group of people, you just can't be the slowest person. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the mindset that I had. Okay, yeah. well, I've got these older guys with me. I can, you're you know, looking I can around. Yes. Like, who can I beat? But, uh, man, we get there, and in total that day, we counted 28 grizzlies wow. uh, while we were there. And the closest wow. one, closest one uh, that I knowingly got to was probably 15 yards. It was scary because we were walking up this trail, and they're not natural trails. I mean, they're they're bear trails, is what they are. Okay. We're walking up these trails, and you have to make noise while you're going through the woods. You have to talk and sing and stuff. And I'm just, I'm pretty much frozen. Yeah, I'm, I'm locked yeah. because I'm just like what the. It's like mm-hmm. a scene off of uh, off of Jurassic Park where the, you know, the <laughs> little dinosaur comes up. That's how scared <laughs> I was. Yeah. Anyway, we get down, we make our way down to the river, and sure enough, I mean, these sockeye are just running through and running through, and, and you can uh, see them. In the water, oh, yeah. jumping out. Yeah, okay. yeah. They're just they're they're in schools by the millions. That's so cool. going up through there. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they're making their ways up to that fall so they can spawn. Gotcha. And uh, sure enough, we get there and I'm seeing them and I tie on uh, a black jig. It's a D2 jig. Okay. Now it wasn't D2 jig at the time. It was my dad's. Yeah. Uh, the company that he had, but it was one of his jigs, and I tied one on, and uh, and I casted it out and. I'm drifting it, letting it drift, and I'm kind of working it. And sure enough, this fish hits, and when he hits, he dances. And I said, "This is the one." Mm-hmm. And I thought it to be 24, 25 inches, and and I started fighting it. Well, while I'm fighting this thing, we hear what sounded like uh, like a, a group of wild horses rushing through the water, but there are all these they're bears and they're fighting. 
up there and they're growling at each I mean roaring at each other. I mean they're just going at it. This and is we, how far away from you? This we can't see it, but we can okay. hear it just up around the bend. It's probably okay. an eighth of a mile up from us. Yeah. And uh a little bit nervous while I'm fighting this fish. Yeah. Uh but one of the bears, it was a it was kind of an in, not an infant, but an adolescent, got kicked out of the fight. And he makes his way down the down the uh down the river. And you can this is all on video too, by the way. Okay. You can hear uh Phil saying, uh, bear coming down, bear coming down. And sure enough, we look and there's this bear coming down while I'm fighting this fish. Well, what they tell us, because we went to an orientation class when we got there, it's called <laughs> it was called Cat My Bear Etiquette yeah. on how to deal with bear these, these yeah, these bears bear safety. And uh, they tell you that if you're fighting a fish and a bear starts going after your fish that you should break your line because if they if that bear associates you uh as competition with that fish then uh then the then the bear will charge you yeah and so this bear's coming down I'm still fighting this fish knowing that it's a world record if I can get it in mm. and the bear keeps on coming down and keeps coming down and you can hear my dad on the video saying JD you better break that fish off you better break <laughs> it off and uh, I was like, no, man, it's got a world record on which is dumb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, because do you get a world record or do you die or, you yeah. know, it's probably better to, probably better to, to break the fish off. But what I did was as the bear got to it, uh, I just flipped my bail over. I flipped my bail over and let the fish run freely so that if the, if, you know, if the bear did get a hold of it, I was going to break my line at the rod. I got gotcha. you. And uh, so I just gave it complete slack. Yeah. And you can see you can see on the video, you can see my fish come up and the bear kind of take a swipe at it, and then it just keeps on the bear keeps on going down. And I got to see this video. Yeah. So mm. I flip my I flip my bail back over, and sure enough, the fish is still hooked up. Oh the bear goes all the way down <laughs> and fight the fish for another you know ten fifteen minutes, bring it in and get it verified, get it pictured, get it measured, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, sure enough, that was a world record. Holy cow. So I caught a I caught a world record away from a grizzly bear. That's so cool. Yeah, it was. I I've had I've had the privilege of doing some really <laughs> I've had the privilege of doing some really cool things fishing. Uh I don't know that I'll be able to top that one. Yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah, that'll be that's a hard so one cool. a hard one to beat. I told you it was a good one, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Unless I can catch a sturgeon away from a bear. Sounds it's like possible in Arkansas <laughs> now, right? I guess. Um, so your your jig. So you said you you were fishing with a jig that day. Um, is is it normally when you're when you're fishing when you're up in Alaska? Are you mostly jig fishing? You're doing the same thing you're doing down here up there. Yeah, kind of plays into each other. It, it does. Uh, there, the majority of the guys, even my dad, and I don't know if he'll appreciate me saying this or not, uh, but my dad. Uh, he even started fly fishing because you can just catch the heck out of them. Okay, yeah. But I figured out a way to imitate what they were doing uh, fly fishing with my spinning rod and and a jig. Gotcha. And so I started catching them left and right. So the the presentation was altered a little bit. You kind of you kind of have to let it drift on the bottom uh, in these currents in these these sockeye. They'll they'll come over and they'll eat it up and then you know the fight's on. Yeah. And uh, so I started imitating that. There there were oh my gosh one of the coolest things in the world that I've done is right out from our fish camp there. Uh, it was where the where the lake bottlenecks into the river, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> there are rainbows, big rainbows that that sit out there, and it's probably thirty feet deep, but you can see every rock in the bottom. It's that's how clear oh, it okay. is. Yeah, Just and so out there, we would take a boat out, and there's there's very little current there, so I mean it's all, it's a lot like fishing on Tanicomo, 
where it's pretty deep and mm-hmm. we're working the jigs regular. And man, we caught, I don't know how many 25 to 28, 30 inch rainbows that we caught. The biggest one that I caught was 32 inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, got it on two pound line on a, uh, on a white jig. Uh, wow. And fought that one for almost an hour uh, because, you know, he's running anywhere and everywhere that he wants to. Yeah. And I can't, I can't control him. So yeah. I just kind of got to wear him down. You think you're going to take Drew up there? I, I, I hope to. I really do. It sounded like you and your dad had some pretty cool yeah. memories up there. Yeah. I figured you'd, you'd want to take him up there. It was, for me and him, it was a once in a lifetime trip. And I, I really do. I, I hope to get to take Drew up there because to the, the experience that I got to have with my dad, I would love to have with my right. son and for my son to have with me. Right. So it, it was, uh, it was a once in a lifetime trip that, that uh you know i wish that anybody that i know would be mm-hmm. able to get to do that because it was amazing yeah how many how many days were y'all up there we were there for 10 days okay yeah and you were fishing every day every day just going for records absolutely basically yeah it, it was and the, one of the cool things was is that it never got dark so 2 30 in the morning oh. the sun went sun went down yeah but it was like it, it it's like uh yeah. dawn here you okay. know when the when the sun's coming up but it's not over the over the horizon yet that's what it was like and yeah. so 2 30 in the morning i'm still out there fishing no way. yeah that's just so just amazing experience. so what your days look like i mean because that's a trip i would love to do but just i'm curious like how your day goes you're staying in a camp mm-hmm. are you fishing from literally like 8 a.m to 2 30 yeah. you got lunch are there guides up there with you there 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 were uh there were a couple of guides there but but uh I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but the reality is, is that that we we kind of figured it out. Yeah. We figured it out within within a day or two. Gotcha. And even got to uh, it was it was really interesting. Uh, Phil was was building a cabin up there at the camp as well. And uh, the last day that we were there, he he needed to finish up some work, and he said, "JD," he said. He said, uh, would you mind taking some of these guys out and, and taking them fishing? Yeah. So I was kind of guiding that day as well, took gotcha. them down to the holes, ran his boat, and the boats were really cool. I uh, took them down there and put them on the fish, and and, uh, and they ended up catching a bunch that day as well. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Are those boats any any similarities to, like, the White River boats here? No, not at shallow? all. Okay. Not at How all. How are they different? They, uh, they're big V-bottom boats. Okay. And they hold uh, – they hold – well, one of their boats, I think it held like nine or ten people, and then Phil's boat, I think it held six or seven. Wow! And it's got a big uh, hundred hundred and fifty horse uh, Mercury jet prop on it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so they're they're big aluminum boats, but but they're for the class. They take them down to the holes and and uh, you know just they'll they'll park it and we'll fish from the bank or whatever. Gotcha. So yeah, they're very different though. Yeah, that's cool. But it's cool. It's also cool that you're you're able to kind of use some of the same styles mm-hmm. of fishing mm-hmm. they use here, mm-hmm. even in Alaska. Yeah. And do you think that says a, a lot about like the versatility of jig fishing, or is it just is it just that those waters are similar and you're going for trout? Or to, what do you think it is? Man, I, honestly, I think it's the versatility of the jig, okay. and, and it's a combination of both. Yeah. The the, the waters are somewhat similar, mm-hmm. uh, but the the versatility of the jig. Uh, you know what? I, I fished. I told my wife this was a week and a half ago. It was right before Christmas. I went over to Swepco, uh, the the power plant lake, yeah, to yeah. go bass fishing. It's always warm. Yeah, it's always warm. I got gotcha, you. Yeah. And I told Julie before I left uh, one particular day. I said the reason I'm going over here is I want to try to stick a big bass on one of these jigs, on light line. Yeah. And sure enough, I got over there and had to develop a, a different technique. It's a it's a it's a lift and swim. And just let it drop, and you can't feel the bite on it. I've never done it before, 
and uh, sure enough, got over there and just caught the heck out of them. Really? Bass, yeah. And ended up, I had, uh, I, caught, I caught a bunch of small fish, small being 12, 13 inches. Yeah. Uh, but good. I ended up catching, I had one black or one largemouth that was uh, 5.1. Five point one pounds Man. on two pound line and ultralight and marabou jigs. <laughs> That's yeah. so cool. That was so fun. That is. You like cool. to fish Swepco this time of year, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. You guys usually have like a an outing, I guess. I got the invite every, last year. But every New go. Year's <laughs> Day, uh, my dad and I fish together as a team against Drew, my son, and his best friend Braden. Yeah, uh, they're in a boat, and then Hester, uh, Coach Hester, and Coach Rimmer, they get in a boat. And yeah. uh, Hester was my old basketball coach. Oh, was he really? Yeah, before I left, and uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Daniel. Yeah, so he was all of y'all's coach, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Hester and Vic fished together, and then uh, uh, Brian, Hester's brother, uh, fished as well. So anyway, we went over this year, and that's what I was doing was pre-fishing for it, but also I ended up making a video. I posted it on my YouTube channel, Okay, D2 Jigs. Shout uh, out D2 Jigs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, sure enough, I mean, two-pound line on an ultralight uh, out of a foot of water cast up into a foot of water and i'm mm. just i'm swimming it back and my rod loads up and i saw it come up and i thought my Shoot. gosh this is a good one man so I, I say all that to say that it is very versatile yeah very versatile in a lot of scenarios absolutely a lot of environments. yeah you can catch a lot of crappie with it uh had an invite uh that same week in fact to go crappie fishing the guy wanted me to bring the jigs with me um because he was he was sitting up on some crappie and was catching some but he thought he should be catching more i didn't get to go with him but yeah. i have no doubt that if you know if i would have gotten to go with him that the jigs would have caught crappie too yeah that's so, what i thought they first were before i knew what like oh crappie jigs. the marabou yeah. hair jigs were right. they yeah. look really similar to a crappie right. jig yeah yeah um so something that i thought whenever i first got into fishing or when i whenever i first kind of picked up a fishing rod when i was younger i always in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, if I want to catch a five-pound fish, I need to have at least a five-pound line, right? Right. But you're catching massive fish, mm-hmm. you know, plus 20 pounds up mm-hmm. in Alaska with um, with two-pound line. Yeah. Those don't correlate. It's talk to maybe explain like the difference between it's not it's not the the weight of the fish that can yeah. pull on it. It's right. like force or. Yeah, what it is is on whatever whatever size line you have, let's say you've got two-pound line on, four-pound, or we'll use four-pound, for example. With four-pound line, that line can take four pounds of pressure. Okay. So the moment that you hit four pounds of pressure, that line's going to break. Okay. That's why it's essential to have a good rod and even more essential to have a good reel that's got a good drag system on it. Okay. Uh, Shimano, I used to fish Shimano exclusively. Uh, and nothing against Shimano. They make really good, they make really good reels. Uh, but they stopped making an anti-reverse, which is which is what allows you to to reel backwards uh, and kind of control the fish that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and I switched over. <coughs> Excuse me. You good? I switched over. Uh, it was three years ago to uh, found a reel. Hester had it. Of all people, Hester had this set up, and yeah. and I asked him. I said, "Man, let me." I said, "You care if I try it for a second? And I tried it, and when I put it in my hands, it was a. It was a uh, St. Croix 6'6 light action rod with a with a uh, Abby Garcia Revo X20 on it. Okay. And um, when I put it in my hands, I thought I need to I need to do this. So I switched over to Abby Garcia and St. Croix. I'm actually I'm now on St. Croix's pro staff. I called and talked with them. And oh, cool. Incredible rods, but uh, the 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 point is that with this particular reel, it's got an anti reverse and it's got a really good drag system on it. And so on, on some on a couple of my videos that I've got on my YouTube channel. 
you can see well, especially on that on that bass, yeah. uh, the, the five pounder that I caught. Yeah, you can hear I'm holding the rod like this, but I've got that anti reverse on. And every time that fish goes to make a run, I don't let it get to two pounds of pressure. I'll take my pinky and I'll let it off that off the bail of that reel, and that that reel will start back reeling. Okay, and you can hear that thing going off like a like a machine gun, just yeah. like that. Yeah, as it's back reeling, and that's not allowing to get to that two pounds of pressure. So when I see that feel that fish stop, then I'll turn him, I'll bring him back, and he starts to run again. Then I'll let him go again, not getting to that two pound threshold. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so that's, real that's quick, let me paraphrase because. In our reverse, you said a lot of words that I probably a lot of people don't know. I'm looking over at Daniel over here. I'm sure he's like not tracking along. It's hard to break that down a little bit for us. Like it's what I'm gathering from you is it's like it's a lot of back and forth. You're uh-huh. ba- you're fighting with a big fish yeah. that can very much pull two pounds of force. Absolutely. But you're you're managing it to where it's not doing it all at once. That's right. You're kind of trying to tire out the fish. Is yeah. that kind of how that works? Yeah, that's okay. what's happening. And that that's why the drag system is so important because okay. if you've got your drag tightened down, if that fish makes a run, even even a two pound fish, a two pound fish, if that fish makes a run, even a one pound fish, I mean he can generate enough force in the water yeah, right. to where he creates two pounds of pressure. Yeah. Uh, then when they take off, if your drag is too tight, then that line's going to snap that quick. Got it. And even on the Abu Garcia, the Revo X twenty, with the drag system being as good as it is. I guess with the Shimano's, I just learned how to back reel, and I taught myself. I say I taught myself. My dad taught me how to do it when I was really young. Yeah, and it's something where when I hook a big one now, like honestly, I don't know that I could do this. I think it'd be really, really hard to do. But I would love to stick a forty-pound fish on two-pound line. Okay, just to see if I could get it in. Yeah, uh, because you know the the weight of the fish in the water and the way that they're that they're shaped. If you can get their nose up, then they're going to come up. Mm-hmm. And you can't lift dead weight. I mean, you try to lift forty pounds on two pound line; it's not yeah. gonna work. But yeah. I did hook, I did hook a, uh, oh, I caught a uh, caught a thirty pound brown trout. Probably, it was probably twenty five years ago, and I caught it on four pound line, and we worked it into the shallows. And I was trying to lift it, and I couldn't get it lifted. Yeah, uh, because it was just that dead weight, and right. so I just kept working it into the shallows and. It took a long time to get this one in, I'm but sure you know did. we stuck the net in front of its face and and uh, and it came to the net. Finally landed it. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's it it is a fun way to fish. It's cool. It, it is. It sounds like something that like you could get into and get hooked. Yeah. Uh, like you know, pun intended. Literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you could get hooked. It's it's like addicting because absolutely that doesn't even make sense to be able to catch a thirty pound fish mm-hmm. on two pound line or right. four pound line, whatever it is. Right. It's just that doesn't they. The size of the fish, I guess, is is relevant, but it's not relevant to just the sheer tug. Right. So it's, it's a cool balance that you yeah. gotta have to. It, it's cool that it breaks it up too. Like we go fishing, and if we get bit by you know a big fish, it's over. Like that's what we came for. We convinced that fish to to bite whatever mm-hmm. we're throwing. But for you, it's just begun. You yeah. know, yeah. using the light line. Right. Uh, right. That that's a whole nother half of the battle. Yeah. It's a whole nother challenge. Yeah. Because yeah, you hook it, and that's like. The easy part, that's like the easy part is hooking it maybe. And then right. it's from there, it's like, can I land this? Thing? Right, right. And it's tough to do. Uh, it's so fun. It, it is absolutely what continues to bring me back as far as fishing goes. Yeah. Again, the relationships are the number one reason, but but just the, you know, hooking a big one and and uh, fighting it on that light line is fun. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's a good, it's a good segue into um, what we want to talk about next, which is 
obviously right now you mentioned it's it's January, it's cold outside. Um, you said you went fishing today. I, th- I think a lot of people probably, um, if they're not familiar with kind of our waters around here or, or trout fishing, they don't know that you can fish in the winter. Right. They're like, oh, well, why would you want to be outside in the cold? But that's not the case here, and especially with what you're doing. Right. You're able to fish year-round. What are, what are you doing right now? Um, let's talk tactics of on a day like today, winter fishing. What do you do that's different than throughout the year? Talk to us about some of your, your honestly tricks. with the, with trout fishing. The the presentations don't change a whole lot. Okay, uh, it all depends on on uh, water flow. The presentations are all dictated by water flow. Okay, today that was low water. They had nothing coming through the dam. And so, uh, and that's what I was explaining to the guy that I took today was that, uh, that the technique today is one where, you know, we're not truly jigging it like we do blind because it was a lot of sight fishing because, you know, the water's crystal clear, the sun's out and you can see everything in the river. Okay. You change that tactic to where it's very subtle and you almost swim that jig instead of popping it and letting it fall. Okay. So you're not really relying on the, the action of the, of the head you know, spiraling down in the water, you might get, if you, if you make a long enough cast in deep enough water, you're still using that. But once you get it closer to yourself or to the boat, you see that jig, then you start swimming it. And it, it's just a real subtle presentation for these fish. They're not threatened by it. They just think, Hey, free meal in the water. Yeah. And then they'll come up behind it and they'll eat it. Uh, the, the biggest differences are the colors. Okay. Uh, the colors change throughout the year, okay. uh, but they don't change a lot. They're, they're probably, there are four jigs that I'll throw year-round, but then there I've got probably, oh gosh, 25 other colors, which th- there are more than that, but I've got probably 25 other colors in my box yep. that I'll go through depending on what time of year it is. For example, today, uh, you know, with it being colder, if they would have been pushing water through uh, through Beaver through Beaver Dam and with the, the weather being really cold last week, then what that creates is a shad kill. Sometimes it didn't, it didn't, uh, it hadn't done it yet this year, but, yeah. but there's a shad kill that's created when the shad are pushing. What happens with the shad kill is the, the shad, uh, they get paralyzed because of the cold water. They don't die, but they get paralyzed and they, they sink down to the bottom and they get sucked through those turbines and then they come into the tailwaters. Okay. Man, when that happens, get a white jig on your rod. And those fish go crazy over them, yeah. Especially white, with bullshit. Yeah, that's the color of the shad. Okay, gotcha. Now uh, they're kind of a silver, silver. They've got a white belly, kind of a silver black. They're threadfin shad. Yeah. And uh, man, below the white, below bull shoals on the White River, anytime you see, and we're always watching for the seagulls. Yeah. And I've it, heard about this. I've yes. never fished a shad kill, but I've yeah. always heard about it. Yeah. When you see the seagulls hovering over the water then you better tie on a white jig yeah. Uh, because those fish, I mean, they just become gluttons. They'll eat anything that is white, and especially the jigs because they'll get down in the water column quicker, and uh, you just sit there and swim it or jig it or whatever, man, just yeah. hang on. Oh, it's fun. When when does that happen? Is it mostly in the winter that yeah, the shad it, kills? Yeah, it is. Now, it has happened. You know, Dad and I were, were over there two years ago in September, and I guess there was a school of shad that just got sucked through, and it was a big school because yeah. we were a mile down from the dam, and we're seeing we're seeing big fish come to the top. And I, I told Dad, I said, "Are you seeing this?" And he said, yeah. "Yeah." And I looked down and saw a shad, and sure enough, I tied on a white jig in September, hmm. tied on a white jig and yeah. started fishing it, and uh, just started catching the heck out of them. Heck yeah! So, but it's primarily in the it's primarily in the in the late winter. You know, after the water temperature in the lakes have gotten has gotten so cold, you know, 37, 38 degrees, those shad get stunned and they go down to the bottom and they get sucked through. 
So there's a combination that has to take place. Like today, it wasn't going to happen because we didn't have water coming through the dam. Right. They can't shoot through there. But if they cre- if if there are shad that died or or got stunned and they're sitting there at the bottom right now, the moment that they turn those those generators on, then they're going to get sucked through there, and it's it's fun. Oh, oh, that's me. Phone ringing. Um, so do you expect there to be a shad kill coming up with like? Because this has kind of really been our first cold snap of the winter. I, I think it'll take longer than what it is right now. Okay. I've heard that the lake temperatures right now is is upper forties, and I don't think that's cold enough to do it yet. Okay, so it'll it'll take a it'll take a solid week, uh, two weeks of of, uh, of freezing temperatures to be yeah. able to get them down. Looks there. like this week should happen. Yeah, yeah, we've got a tournament Saturday. I'm hoping that it's not going to be that cold. Where's it at? Uh, Tani Como. Oh, it's yeah. the first of the. It's not really a series, but he does he does three tournaments over the over the winter, and it's the first one. Mm. That'd so, be exciting. Mm-hmm. Who are you fishing with? Drew. 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 Yeah, Drew's coming up. So. Nice. Well, Kyle and I, I think we're fishing in that too, right? Oh, you are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Good. Yeah. You need some jigs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're gonna try something else. I don't yeah. Know. Try, try Charge a double for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good, good luck in that tournament. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you talked about water flow. And you talked about high water, low water. Mm-hmm. You, you know, can, you can have something in the middle somewhere right. in there. Right. Are you changing up your tactic for high to low? Yes. What's the difference? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when it's when it's high water, uh, you're blind fishing. Okay. You, there's no sight fishing really at all, unless it's right at the boat. And so, the higher the water, the heavier jig you want, because you want this jig, you want this jig to 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 work in the lower third of the water column wherever okay. you are. Okay. And, uh, that just means the lower portion of the river mm-hmm. if you divide it into three. Yeah, okay. yeah, you divide it into three. It's on that lower portion, closer to the bottom. Okay. Because majority of those fish, they're hanging on the bottom. Yeah. <coughs> and uh, so anyway, you use a use a heavier size to get it down. And uh, <coughs> the jigging, the jigging action is it. They're honestly they're they're there are different ways to to work the jig, but the primary way is. You cast it out. You let it sink on a free on, on a on a slack line, so that, that jig's got the action. You'll reel up your slack, and I call it staying connected with the water. So, I mean, connected with the jig. Okay. I'll watch from the tip of my rod where it bows down to the water, as that as there as the as the line connects to the water. I want that jig underneath that. Okay. So it's directly falling, underneath that. Yep. It's it's falling down. Okay. And so I'll reel up my slack. And then I'll pop it. And when I pop it, that jig shoots up. It'll shoot up, you know, two or three feet in the water, and then it'll fall right back down. Gotcha. And then it'll pop, and it'll fall right back down. And you're you're using that retrieve all the way back to the boat. And that is, thank you. Gotcha. That is, uh, that is, that's the that's the primary way to work the jig. Okay. Uh, if that technique is not working well, before I switch anything, as far as technique goes, I'll try different colors. And uh, if I see that the, or if I, yeah, if I find that those colors aren't working, then I'll change my technique to where I'll cast it out. I'll get into that lower third and then I'll pop it, but then I'll swim it. I'll pop it and let it fall and then I'll swim it. And then I'll just kind of, I'll kind of mix it up yeah. uh, to where it's, where it's a little bit more erratic and, and not as predictable. So they can't, can't really get a good eye on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those, whether you change colors or change the, t- change the technique, you're always going to catch fish. I got you. Um, so you're just kind of you're you're <coughs> trying a few different things until you kind of find what's mm-hmm. working. Yep. And then you you stick and stay stick on with that. that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then if it changes, then you know the 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 habits of these fish change 
hourly. Yeah. You know, depending on water levels or or the time cloud cover, time of day, anything like yeah. that. And so you just make the adjustments with them. Um, so uh, it, it is. I mean, last last year it was a little bit different because the uh, and you, you remember we had the real the the real hard mm-hmm. cold snap yeah. last year. Yeah, really cold. Where where some of the lakes froze. I mean, not completely, but the water got so cold these big coves are frozen. Yeah. So what that did was it lowered the water temperature in the lakes so much that the thermocline, that that colder water got below the thermocline. Okay. And so the water that's being pushed through the bottom of the dam is actually colder than what it usually is. So it's usually, if I understand correctly, it's like 47 to 53 53 degrees usually year-round. Yeah. Well, the water that was coming through the dam all the way up to all the way up to May of last year was 37, 38, 39 degrees. So significantly colder. It was significantly than colder. And what that did was is it backed up all the hatches okay. that take place normally, you know, in April or May or whatever, it backed them all up. Well, if you remember correctly, Bird, insect hatches. Yeah, insect hatches, okay. uh, scud hatches, anything under the water or above the water. And uh we got to, if you remember correctly, it went from really, really cold to hot. And so that water started warming up really quick. And when it started warming up really quick, all these hatches happened at one time. Mm, okay. And so fishing for about a month and a half last summer was brutal because these fish had everything that they wanted to eat. Gotcha. And gotcha. they weren't interested in jigs. They no. weren't interested in, They were interested in flies for a little bit, but then they even shut off on flies. Yeah. From what I heard from from fly from fishermen. Fly fishermen. Yeah. And uh, that the the uh, the game and fish even talked about, if I understood them correctly, that they were seeing hatches they've never seen before. Really? Yeah. And I think I think she called it uh, a vortex hatch, which I don't I don't know what that is. Whoa. Uh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, I hadn't. I hadn't Sounds either. scary. I'm yeah, a fly yeah. fisherman. I don't know yeah. what that is. Uh, vortex. Yeah, but that was she. That's what she was saying that that they were seeing things they've never seen before, and that's why nobody was catching fish. My dad and I went. Uh, we went in the middle of July last year, and this has never happened to us. Between the two of us in one full day, we caught six fish, which was... It's not a lot. No, for it's you. not. Well, I mean, really, there, there was nobody on the river catching fish, and we managed to catch six. And uh, I think the biggest one that day was like 19 inches, which was very, very unusual, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the jig. So I, she, she said, you know, by, by the time we get to the end of the summer, it'll, it'll kind of even itself out. And sure enough, by, you know, middle to end of August, everything had kind of reset, and it was it was back on track. Yeah. So, uh, but even within that, I mean, you could see, you know, you're talking about the different tactics. You could see, you can always tell if I'm catching fish by, by the number of jigs that I've got sitting on the back of the boat. Gotcha. Because if, if I'm not catching fish, I'll have 30 different jigs yeah. there. And you're just ripping through them. Yeah, just going through them until I find the right one. And uh, sure enough, of all things, last summer during that whole thing, I found a jig. That I'm not going to tell the color right now because I'm I'm still field testing it to see if we're if we're going to put it on the uh, on the website. Yeah, <clears throat> but I found a color that was it was sent to me. Uh, it was one of the samples okay. from this company yeah. that I'm partnering with. Yeah, one of the samples they sent it to me, and I'd gone through every jig in my box and I looked at that and I was like, it's a ridiculous color. <laughs> Man, this thing's not going to work. Yeah, and I thought, you know what, nothing else is working. I'm going to try it. First cast, 19 inch rainbow. Second cast, 14-inch smallmouth. Third cast, 19-inch <laughs> brown. Fourth cast, 23-inch brown. And I thought, okay. Something's up. So I go, wow. home, I go home and I tied up three dozen for myself for the box, and I've got them in there now. And now when I can't catch fish on the colors that we usually catch, I'll switch over to that. 
and just whack, whack, whack. Dang. Start catching mm. them. Wow. It's really cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that was all below beaver? Below bull shells. Below bull shells. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That'd be a heck of a day below beaver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, when you were even on the, I mean, so a six fish day, and that's between two of you. I know you mentioned, did you say on that day, did you catch one that was 19? No, no. That was on a that was on a trip after that. Oh, another trip. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. I was about to say, that sounds like a pretty, I yeah. would take that day. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going out there. Sometimes, depending on the day, when you go out there fly fishing, you can have some good days, some really hot days. I've had days right. where I've been out there with like Plunkett and we've caught, you know, 40 plus fish right. in, in a couple hours. But right. Normally it's a little bit slower. Yeah. Um, and I know guys who go out there and catch a lot more than me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the standard by any means. Right. But even even a day where it's like six fish, I would take a six fish day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I know for you, you're used to catching a lot more than that. Yeah. But honestly, just, and I, I say this with the most pure heart. If I go out, and this is the kiss of death when you're when you're with a client, by the yeah. way. <laughs> but when I go out, if I don't catch a fish, I'm fine. Yeah. Because I just get to be out there. Now, when you hear a client say, you know, I don't care if I catch fish all day, you better just pack it up and go home. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we've had some nightmares with that with that very phrase. I've talked with other guides; they they do not like it when people say, "Oh, I'm just happy to be out here." Just it's, because they're not into the fishing, they're just there to no. They they they're wanting to catch fish, but by the end of the day, they for whatever reason they're they kind of they're kind of in their own mindset. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily want to learn. They just want you to to fish for them. Gotcha. And if the fishing is tough, then I mean the words that come out of their mouth by the end of the day are brutal. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> they change their tone a little bit. They do. Yeah, they do. That's funny. Um, one other thing that I want to ask you about tactics wise kind of depending on time of year i know tailwaters specific like you said it's it's a pretty consistent temperature year round just because the water is coming out from the bottom of the dam right um and so this may not be as relevant but i've kind of always heard the warmer the water maybe the faster the motion the slower like the colder the water the slower the motion um in terms of like how you're fishing the movements that you're doing how you're jigging stuff like that do you do any of that with trout fishing yeah i I really don't okay i don't i haven't uh well you know i say that recognizing last year that the water was so cold Mm -hmm. uh thinking back to it i did i did change my techniques a lot yeah to try to figure these fish out and to to try to remember which techniques were working i I don't really remember because i was using the whole arsenal yeah and it kind of it kind of switched you know depending on conditions but uh i do know that trout don't like warm water they don't so chances are i mean i'm I'm just kind of using deductive reasoning here that you know the warmer the water the more sluggish they're going to get and so you've got to slow your presentation down yeah you would have to yeah and uh, if you're on the if you're in the lower end of that of that comfortable column for them, then you can probably be more aggressive. Yeah. But it does. I mean, the that water is going to stay forty three. Yeah. I mean, forty seven fifty three year round. Right. You know, they're going to be really active. That yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's actually opposite of what like normal freshwater fishing yeah. would be. Like bass fishing this time of year, just very subtle movements. Yeah. Uh, oh, but man, you can get out there and clean house on these bass right now. Really, you can. And that their their feeding frenzies are going to be really short, mm-hmm. but man, when they do, they're really aggressive. But yeah. it's like I said, it's a really short yeah. amount of time for do the very fish, reason that you just said. Do you bass fish beaver much anymore? I do, I do. Yeah, we we bass fish a lot. Huh. 
Uh-huh. We do. You throwing the jigs there too? You know what? I started it last summer. Really? I did. I uh, had a friend of mine. Uh, his name's Mike McClelland. Uh, he's he's one of the uh, I want to say he's one of the co-founders of of Major League Fishing. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. Michael and I we we uh, we went to high school together. He was in my dad's Sunday school class, and he's actually who got me in bass fishing. Okay, yeah, that's uh, a good guy to get you in bass fishing. He is. Yeah. He he kind of knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, good guy, just, you know, salt of the earth, really, really good guy. Um, but Michael got a hold of me last summer. He was going to fish a tournament in, uh, in New York. And, uh, he asked me to, uh, to make him some jigs. Um, we, we, mod- we modified them a little bit, not yeah. the head, but the hook size. We put a, uh, put a number one on it, Okay. put a little bit more feather, put a few more feathers on them. And he fished smallmouth up in New York. And that guy, he got up there, and I, I have my phone's in my truck, but I can show you the pictures of the smallmouth that he sent me. The first one that he sent me was six and a half pounds. No. Smallmouth, yeah. <laughs> Crushing it. Yeah. So anyway, I took that, and I thought, you know what? I wonder if these will work on beaver. Yeah. And that's actually where I got the thought, mm-hmm. uh, why I had some made up when I went to Swepco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because they were left over from the summer, and sure enough, I took them out, and I was night fishing. I had a black jig. Uh, one eight ounce jig, and I was throwing, <laughs> I was throwing it on four pound line bass fishing, you know, a night tournament, <laughs> and uh, cast it out, and not knowing what kind of retrieve I need to use or anything, I hadn't researched that at all. Right. I'm just slow rolling it on a bluff, and sure enough, this fish loads up on it, and it's a three pound black. Mm. And uh, so they do, man, they work. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Was what? that in a tournament that he was yeah. up in New York? Yeah, MLF. Yeah. yeah. So technically, your jigs have been on. Yeah nationally televised uh i i don't know if i didn't get to watch the tournament so i don't know if he threw cool. or not i think he he may have been on a jerk bait bite or yeah you know he's got it just depends he, on what he was catching right he's yeah. got his own line that he throws mixed sticks with spro and and uh but yeah they're they're good folks his his son uh justin uh is also fishing well he was trying to fish professionally but he's still fishing a lot and he's used a lot of them as well on the elk river you know, just up here in Missouri. Yeah, yeah. And uh, is catching some really good smallmouth, too. Man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I love catching smallmouth. It's, mm-hmm. I like, I normally, I've kind of, in the last couple of years, I've done a lot more fly fishing, but um, I really like just getting really simple, going out with a spin rod and just a couple, um, yes. you know, lures, basically, and going out and just fishing in a small creek. Little backyard creeks that go through yes. Springdale yes. and Tawnytown, all these places. Yes. It's just, it's some of my favorite stuff. That's how I cut my teeth. Yeah. Was, I, I, we lived on a farm when I was up to five years old on the Illinois River out at Savoy. Okay. Yeah. You know, out by Farmington. And, yeah. And uh, I'd go down there and, you know, throw these tiny little baits and we'd catch brim and, and little bass and things like that. And took my son to Clear Creek just down the road from us. And one of my favorite things in the world to do still is yeah. to go wade these little creeks yeah and throw these tiny jigs or or whatever and just hey, catch as many of them as you want yeah mm-hmm. oh it's so fun it is so fun yeah that's actually adam i think that was the first time you and i fished together was doing yeah. something like that over yeah back in cave springs yeah over in cave mm-hmm. springs that's yeah. a great little creek. that's what we need to take yeah. daniel to do this summer yeah. yes we need to get him on daniel can load a boat doing that yeah or load the bank if you're not in the boat some crocs <laughs> swimsuit yeah tank top <laughs> it's just and then warm, a little sling backpack warm a cowboy water. hat yeah, yeah. It's like floating in the river, but just walking. Yeah, maybe a tube, an inner tube. Get him an inner tube. <laughs> just the float. Someone looks in their backyard and sees Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's uh, a sight to see. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <clears throat> well, I don't. That's all I got for you. They, yeah. I mean, it's been fun. Thanks for coming over Absolutely. here. Absolutely. We we've had a good time just catching yeah. up with you. And um, well, I love getting to talk with you guys. I, and I appreciate you guys asking me to do it again. Absolutely. Any chance that I get to talk about fishing and. 
I, I, I will talk people's ears off. It's yeah. just something that I'm passionate about. I've done all my life. So really thank you guys for asking me to come. Heck yeah. yeah. How, how one, one last thing, how can people get a hold of you or get in touch with you if they want to buy your jigs, yeah. go fishing with you, have some lessons, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, the website, that's the way that you buy the jigs. Uh, it's d2jigs.com. Uh, it's a it's a user-friendly website where, you know, the page pops up and you hit shop now and you can see it. You can read the story. It's also got a link to my YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, YouTube is, uh, is d2jigs. Uh, there's 20-something videos on there right now. So, you know, there, there are a lot of techniques on there. I've got, I've actually got three technique videos on the website where if folks want to, you know, if they can't get a hold of me or we can't go, then they can, they can look on there. And, uh, and watch the people that I've taken fish. I'm, I'm gotcha. giving them instruction on these videos. So it's pretty neat. A lot of folks have found that real helpful. Um, and then as far as, you know, if folks want me to take them uh, to, to teach them how to jig fish, and my email is d2jigs at gmail.com, or okay. they can call me or t- call or text me. Okay. Uh, it's 479-466-8202. Okay. Um, cool. I just love talking with folks about fishing. Cool. Heck yeah. Well, that's all we got for you. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. And um, if you want to reach out to us and you have any recommendations for future guests or anything you want to hear from us, just let us know. But we'll see you next time. Thanks. See you. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you leave a five-star review, email us a screenshot along with your mailing address to theozarkpodcast at gmail.com. We'll send you an absolutely free waterproof Ozark podcast to support the show and gain access to bonus content, full length video episodes, exclusive discounts on merch and free stuff. Head on over to our Patreon website, which you can find the link to in our show notes. Check us out on Instagram and on our website at www.inland-us.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.